بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين رب شرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وأحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما Last week we spoke about the expeditions of ذات السلاسل and خبط the Sariyat ذات السلاسل and Sariyat الخبط and we mentioned that these were from the last incidents that took place before the conquest of Mecca, before the Fath of Mecca. So the Sariyat ذات السلاسل, it took place in the month of Jumadul Ukhra in the eighth year of the Hijrah. And Sariyat al-Khabat, it took place in the month of Rajab in the eighth year of the Hijrah. Now the next month, the month of Sha'ban in the eighth year of the Hijrah, a very serious incident occurred in Mecca. And this incident had very important consequences. All right, so the month of Sha'ban, the year eight of the Hijrah. Approximately two years have passed since the signing of the Treaty of Al-Hudaybiyyah. And the Treaty of Hudaybiyyah was signed in the month of Dhul Qa'dah in the sixth year of the Hijrah. So now, Sha'ban of the eighth year of Hijrah, it's almost two years. So from the conditions of the Treaty of Hudaybiyyah, as we remember, that there should be no fighting between the Prophet ﷺ and the Muslims under his command and the Quraysh for a period of 10 years. So no fighting for a period of 10 years. Now only about two years has passed. Also from the agreements made on that day, on the day of Hudaybiyyah, was that any tribe that wants to align themselves with the Quraysh, they may do so. Any tribe that wants to enter an alliance with the Quraysh, they may do so. And also any tribe that wants to enter an alliance with the Prophet ﷺ and the Muslims, they may do so. So upon that condition, the tribe of Banu Bakr, they said, we ally ourselves with the Quraysh. We enter into an alliance with the Quraysh. And the tribe of Khuza'ah, they said, we enter into an alliance with Muhammad. So Banu Bakr aligned themselves with the Quraysh and Khuza'ah, they aligned themselves with the Prophet So to understand what this means, it means that if you attack Khuza'ah, it is as if you attacked the Muslims because Khuza'a are in alliance with the Muslims. So if you attack, Khuz attack Khuza'a, it's like you attack the Muslims. And if you attack Banu Bakr, it is as if you attack the Quraysh. So this was one of the clauses of the Treaty of Hudaybiyyah. That anyone who wants to enter an alliance with the Quraysh may do so. Anyone who wants to enter alliance with the Muslims, they may do so. So Banu Bakr aligned with Quraysh and Khuza'ah, they aligned with the Muslims. All right, now regarding these two tribes, the tribe of Banu Bakr and the tribe of Khuza'ah, they had a long-standing enmity towards one another. They were always fighting with each other from the days of Jahiliyyah. So for many years, these two tribes have constantly been fighting against one another. And Banu Bakr, the tribe of Banu Bakr, they wanted revenge on Khuza'ah for a previous incident that had happened between these two tribes some years before. So Banu Bakr, they were always looking for any opportunity that they can have to get revenge on Khuza'ah. But now 
because of the Treaty of Hudaybiyah and the fact that Khuza'ah had aligned themselves with the Muslims and Banu Bakr had aligned themselves with the Quraysh, that means that there can be no fighting between Banu Bakr and Khuza'ah anymore. Just like there's no fighting between Quraysh and the Prophet also there can be no fighting between Banu Bakr and Khuza'ah because of the alliances that they made. And this has to go on for 10 years according to the agreement. So now Khuza'ah, they finally felt some safety. Before the Treaty of Hudaybiyah, the tribe of Khuza'ah, they were always under the threat of being attacked by Banu Bakr. So now after the Treaty of Hudaybiyah, they felt safety. They felt, okay, now we have entered into this alliance with the Muslims. Now we are safe from being attacked by Banu Bakr. But as for Banu Bakr, they could not let that enmity and that hatred and that desire that they had for revenge on Khuza'ah, they could not let it go. Even though they had agreed to the Treaty of Hudaybiyah, they had in their hearts this enmity and this desire for revenge on Khuza'ah still. So in the month of Sha'ban, in the eighth year of Hijrah, there was a group of people from the tribe of Khuza'ah and they had come towards Mecca to make Umrah with the intention of making Umrah. Now by this time, a number of the members of the tribe of Khuza'ah had accepted Islam. There were some who were still not Muslims, but a, a large number of the people of Khuza'ah, they had accepted Islam, alhamdulillah. So a group from Khuza'ah that comprised of Muslims and also some non-Muslims, they were going towards Mecca to make Umrah. So they went towards Mecca and it was night and they had not entered Mecca yet, so they camped out at a location just outside of the borders of Mecca in a place called Al-Watir. And they were feeling safe. They felt like, look, we are in an alliance with the Muslims and the Treaty of Hudaybiyah is still intact, so we don't have to fear being attacked by Banu Bakr. So they felt safe. So they camped out at Al-Watir outside of the borders of Mecca. Now Banu Bakr, they saw this as an opportunity. Khuza'ah is here. They don't have weapons with them. They didn't bring their weapons because they thought that they are safe. So Banu Bakr said, look, they're here right outside of Mecca. They don't have weapons with them. They're not expecting to be attacked. This is a perfect opportunity for us to attack them and to kill them and take our revenge on them. So this is what Banu Bakr intended to do, even though this would be a clear violation of the terms of the Treaty of Hudaybiyah. But still, this is what they decided that they wanted to do. Naufal ibn Mu'awiyah, he was the leader of the tribe of Banu Bakr. Naufal ibn Mu'awiyah. And he consulted the Quraysh regarding his intentions and his plans. He actually told the Quraysh that this is what I want to do. I want to attack Khuza'ah. And I want you, ya Quraysh, I want you to support me. I want you to support me. Now most of the Quraysh, when they heard this plan of Naufal ibn Mu'awiyah, that he's planning to attack Khuza'ah, and this would be a clear breach of the Treaty of Hudaybiyah, most of the leaders of the Quraysh, they said, no, we cannot be part of this. This would be a clear breaking of the Treaty of Hudaybiyah that we have agreed upon. But there were some members of the Quraysh who agreed actually to help Banu Bakr. Even though this would be a clear breach of the treaty, there were some members of the Quraysh who agreed to help Banu Bakr to do this betrayal. And from amongst those who agreed with Banu Bakr from the Quraysh, they were Safwan ibn Umayyah and Ikrimah ibn Abi Jahl. Now Safwan 
Ibn Umayyah, his father had been killed at the battle of Badr. His father was one of the worst of the kuffar of the Quraysh. And he was killed at the battle of Badr. So Safwan, he had that hatred for the Muslims because of what happened to his father. Also Ikrima ibn Abi Jahl. This is the son of Abu Jahl. So Abu Jahl was perhaps the greatest enemy of Islam. So Ikrima, he had hatred towards the Muslims because of what happened to his father. His father was also killed at Badr. So these two, they agreed to help Banu Bakr attack Khuza'a. They said, we will help you and we will support you. And even more surprising than these two agreeing to help Banu Bakr to break the Treaty of Hudaybiyyah, even more surprising was that Suhail ibn Amr agreed to help Banu Bakr as well. And who is Suhail ibn Amr? If you remember, he was the representative of the Quraysh who met with the Prophet ﷺ at Hudaybiyyah. And he and the Prophet ﷺ were the ones who agreed upon the terms. So the Prophet ﷺ he agreed to the terms from his side and Suhail ibn Amr was the representative of Quraysh who agreed to the terms of Hudaybiyyah from the side of the Quraysh. And now Suhail ibn Amr is agreeing with Banu Bakr to break the treaty by attacking Khuza'a. So this was the plan that was made. So on a dark night in the month of Sha'ban, in the year 8 of the Hijrah of the Prophet Banu Bakr approached the small group of Khuza'a who had camped out at Al-Watir just outside of Mecca. And it was the middle of the night. So the Muslims from amongst that group, they were actually up. They were praying tahajjud. And the non-Muslims who were in the group, they were sleeping. So Banu Bakr, they came to Al-Watir and they launched a surprise attack on the people of Khuza'a. They were caught off guard. But Alhamdulillah, the Muslims were awake because they were praying. So they were able to wake up the people who were sleeping and they were able to flee. But not before three of their men had been killed. Three of the men of Khuza'a were killed right there at Al-Watir. But the rest of them were able to flee. And where did they flee? Where did they try to escape? They tried to go to Mecca. They said, okay, if we enter Mecca, Mecca is a safe space. Even the kuffar, they agreed that Mecca is a place where you cannot kill another person. The boundaries of the Haram are sacred. Even the animals are safe within the boundaries of the Haram. And this is something that is true even today. And it was true at that time as well. And the Muslims accept this and even the Kuffar, they had accepted that as well. That Mecca is Al-Haram. Mecca is sacred. And no killing should take place within the boundaries of Mecca. So Khuza'a they were attacked at Al-Watir, which is right outside of Mecca. So they thought, okay, we can flee to Mecca. We can enter Mecca. Once we are within the borders of Mecca, then we are safe. Banu Bakr, they will not dare to attack us inside the borders of Mecca. So they fled towards Mecca and they entered Mecca, thinking that they would be safe inside the borders. So they entered Mecca and Banu Bakr followed them into Mecca. And when Banu Bakr entered Mecca, they hesitated to continue fighting. They said, okay, look, now we're in Mecca. Mecca is sacred, we cannot fight in Mecca. So they, they stopped and they hesitated to fight. But the leader of Banu Bakr, Nawfal ibn Muawiyah, he said, what are you doing? Why did you stop fighting? Continue to fight them, kill them. Take your revenge. Take your revenge. And then the members of the tribe of Banu Bakr said, wait, ya Nawfal, we're in Mecca right now. We're in Mecca. How can we fight inside Mecca? 
and they tried to remind their leader Nawfal. They said, Al-Haram, Al-Haram, this is the Haram, this is the Haram, how can we fight? Ilahak, Ilahak, fear Allah, fear your Lord. They tried to tell this to Nawfal. But Nawfal, he said something very, very serious. He made a very evil statement. When they tried to remind him of Allah, they said, we are in the Haram, so fear Allah. Nawfal said, La ilaha lakumul yawm. There is no God for you today. Today, we will kill them even inside Mecca. So this is what Nawfal said. And they agreed to continue fighting and they continued to fight. So the members of Khuza'ah, they tried to flee and they ran to the house of Budail ibn Warqa. Budail ibn Warqa, he was one of the leaders of the tribe of Khuza'ah and he had a house in Mecca. So they thought, okay, we can take refuge in his house, in the house of Budail ibn Warqa. So they went to the house of Budail ibn Warqa, but Budail was not there at that time. And the doors were locked, so they could not enter the house. So they were outside of the house, and Banu Bakr were right on their tails. They followed them. So the fighting continued outside of the house of Budail ibn Warqa, right there in Mecca. And Khuza'a, they didn't have weapons with them. They were not prepared to fight. They were not expecting that anything like this would happen. And Banu Bakr killed 20 of them. Killed 20 of them. So three of them at Al-Watir and now 20 more in front of the house of Budail ibn Warqa right in Mecca. And when they were fighting in Mecca, some of the kuffar of the Quraysh, they heard the commotion going on and they came out and they were watching what's going on. Most of the Quraysh, they did not participate in the fighting, but some of them did like Ikrimah ibn Abi Jahl and Safwan ibn Umayyah, they actually helped Banu Bakr to fight against Khuza'ah. So this was a clear breach of the contract of Hudaybiyah, a clear breach of the treaty of Hudaybiyah. So in the end, 20 men from Khuza'ah were killed in Mecca in front of the house of Budail ibn Warqa alongside with the three that were killed outside of the borders in Al-Watir. So 23 total casualties. So that happened in the night. Now when the daytime came, now the Quraysh started to think of the consequences of what has happened. They realized that the Treaty of Hudaybiyah is broken and now the Muslims may come and take revenge. So they started to get scared because they broke the treaty and they knew that they were in the wrong. They knew that whatever is going to happen now, it is our fault. So the Quraysh, they started to panic now. As for Khuza'ah, now they were discussing amongst each other, what should we do? 23 of their men had been killed in direct violation of the Treaty of Hudaybiyah. So they discussed, now what should we do? How should we handle this situation? Now Khuza'ah, it's a small tribe. They would not be able to fight Quraysh on their own. So they agreed, before we take any action, we must inform Muhammad. We have to send someone to Medina to inform Muhammad immediately about what has happened. So they decided to send Amr ibn Salim al-Khuza'i. Amr ibn Salim al-Khuza'i, he was one of the members of the tribe of Khuza'a and he was chosen to be the messenger to be sent to the Prophet wasallam to inform him of what had happened. So Amr left Mecca and he went towards Medina and he went and he traveled day and night without taking any rest. Because of the seriousness of what had happened, he wanted to inform the Prophet wasallam as quickly as humanly possible. So he left Mecca and he didn't stop until he reached Medina. He traveled day and night without resting. When he reached Medina, 
he immediately he immediately went to Al Masjid Al Nabawi, the Masjid of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and there he found the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam in the Masjid with some of the Sahaba. Now Amr ibn Salim, he was a master poet. He was very good in poetry, so he told the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam the whole story of what happened. When he reached the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, he said, "Allahumma inni nashidun Muhammada." حلف أبينا وأبيه الأتلدا قد كنتم ولدا وكنا والدا ثم تأسلمنا فلم ننزع يدا فانصر هداك الله نصرا أعتدا ودع عباد الله يأتوا مددا فيهم رسول الله قد تجردا إن سيم خسفا وجهه تربدا في فيلق كالبحر يجري مزبدا إن قريشا أخلفوك الموعدا وَنَقَضُوا مِيثَاقَكَ الْمُؤَكَّدَ وَجَعَلُوا لِي فِي كَدَاءٍ رُصَّدَ وَزَعَمُوا أَنْ لَسْتُ أَدْعُوا أَحَدًا وَهُمْ أَذَلُّ وَأَقَلُّ عَدَدًا هُمْ بَيَّتُونَ بِالْوَتِيرِ هُجَّدًا وَقَتَلُونَ رُكَّعًا وَسُجَّدًا So this is the whole story of what happened. And he told the Prophet ﷺ the whole story in poetry. He told them that we were camped out at Al-Watir. We were praying to Hajjud. They came and they attacked us while we were in Ruku and Sujood. So he informed the Prophet ﷺ of the whole story. And the Prophet ﷺ understood what had happened by these lines. And the Prophet ﷺ was very angry at this. How dare they do this? How dare they attack our brothers, the Muslims? in the haram and they broke the treaty by doing it so they attacked muslims they did it in mecca inside the haram and they broke the treaty of hudaybiyah so this is evil upon evil upon evil so the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he was extremely angry and he got up and he said nusirta ya amr ibn salim that you will be helped ya amr we will help you the Prophet ﷺ was not going to let this go. So Khuza'ah, they had sent Amr ibn Salim as their representative to go and tell the Prophet ﷺ what happened. And in the meantime, they continued to discuss their choices and their options. And they decided to send some more of their men to Medina to discuss what to do with the Prophet ﷺ. So first they sent Amr immediately to tell him what had happened and then after some time, they sent some more of their people to go and discuss with the Prophet ﷺ what to do. So they sent some more people under Budail ibn Warqa himself. Budail ibn Warqa, he was one of the big leaders of Khuza'ah. So Budail ibn Warqa and a few men from Khuza'ah, now they went off to Al-Madinah. After Amr ibn Salim, Budail ibn Warqa and his people, they went to Medina to meet with the Prophet ﷺ to discuss what to do. So they reached Medina. Budail and his men, they reached Medina about two or three days later after Amr had reached. So now in the meantime, while this is happening, the Quraysh, they are still panicking. They don't know what they are going to do. How are we going to handle this situation? We have gotten ourselves into a huge mess now. What are we going to do? So they're trying to figure out how to get rid of this problem. So the Quraysh, they held a meeting with Abu Sufyan and some of the other leaders of the Quraysh. They held a meeting to discuss what to do how to solve this problem. And in that meeting of the Quraysh, there was a man named Abdullah ibn Sa'ad ibn Abissarh. Abdullah ibn Sa'ad ibn Abissarh. Now this man, he has a background story. Abdullah ibn Sa'ad ibn Abissarh, 
he had accepted Islam. He had accepted Islam and he had actually migrated to Al-Madinah. He went to Medina as a Muslim. And he was someone who knew how to write. So when the revelation would come, when the revelation of the Quran would come, he was one of the men who would write down the revelation. So he stayed in Medina for some time, but then he left Islam. He became a kafir again, Abdullah ibn Sa'd ibn Abi Sarh, and he went back to Mecca. And when he went back to Mecca, he spread a false rumor. And he said that, yes, I used to write down the Quran for Muhammad, but when I would write it down, I would change some words here and there. And this is a lie. And the Prophet said about this man, Kadhab, he is lying. He never changed anything. Yes, he used to write it down, but he never changed anything. But this man, you know, just to make problems and to try to bring doubts into the minds of the Muslims, he spread this false rumor. So this man, he was in the meeting with the Quraysh when they were trying to decide what to do regarding the situation. So Abdullah ibn Sa'd ibn Abi Sarh, he said, look, I know Muhammad better than any one of you because I lived in Medina with him for a certain period of time. So I know him better than the rest of you. So I can advise you what your options are regarding this situation. What can you do now? So he said, Abdullah ibn Sa'd ibn Abi Sarh, he told the Quraysh, he said, you can do three things. You have three options here. You can pay the blood money to Khuza'ah. The people that were killed, they were from Khuza'ah, 23 people. So you can gather the money, the diya, the blood money for those 23 people and pay it off to their families. And then the Quraysh said, no, 23 people? Do you know how much money that is? We'll not be able to do that. We'll all become bankrupt if we, if we do that. So they said that option is not possible. So then Abdullah ibn Sa'ad, he said, okay, your second choice is to turn over Banu Bakr to the Muslims, surrender them. Surrender the tribe of Banu Bakr to the Muslims and say you can do whatever you want with them. They are the ones who broke the treaty. And then the Quraysh said, no, we would lose all of our honor and prestige if we do this. Banu Bakr is in an alliance with us. That means we are supposed to protect them. How can we surrender them? What will the people say about us? They will say that, yes, people enter into alliance with the Quraysh and then Quraysh surrenders their allied ones to the enemies. How can we do this? We will lose all of our honor if we do this. So this is not possible. So then Abdullah ibn Sa'ad said, okay, then your third option is prepare for war. There's no way out of it. So then they're very worried because they don't want to fight. They know that they will not be able to resist the Muslims this time. So they're very afraid of fighting and they want to, they want to do everything they can to avoid war. So Abu Sufyan, who was in the meeting as well, and he's the leader of the Quraysh. Abu Sufyan said, look, I think there's a fourth option as well. I will personally go to Medina. And I will try to calm things down. I will talk to Muhammad and I will try to renew the contract and I'll try to calm everything down. So this is what they agreed upon. Okay, they said to Abu Sufyan, okay, you go to Medina and you try to negotiate with Muhammad. So Abu Sufyan, he set out from Mecca and he went on his way to Al-Madina. Now on his way to Medina, as Abu Sufyan is going to Medina, Budayl ibn Warqa, who had met with the Prophet ﷺ and discussed what to do with him. Budayl ibn Warqa was on his way back. So Budayl ibn Warqa is coming back and Abu Sufyan is going to Medina. So they met on the way. They crossed paths on the way. And Abu Sufyan asked Budayl, are you coming from Medina? And he was scared. Abu Sufyan was scared because he didn't know that the news had reached the Prophet ﷺ yet of what had happened. He didn't know that the Prophet ﷺ knows about what happened. 
Because if he knows, then that will make Abu Sufyan's job more difficult. So when he saw Budail coming back from that direction, he was very scared that Budail must have met with the Prophet ﷺ and told him everything that had happened. So Abu Sufyan asked him, did you go to Medina? Are you coming from Medina? And Budail didn't want Abu Sufyan to know anything. So he said, no, no, I'm not coming from Medina. I didn't go to Medina. Even though he did go to Medina and he met the Prophet ﷺ and he talked to him, he told Abu Sufyan, no, I'm not coming from Medina. So then Abu Sufyan, he felt a little bit relieved, but still he was not sure. He still he had his doubts. He was still a little bit afraid. So what he decided to do after Budail left on his way, Abu Sufyan followed the trail of the camel dung where Budail's camel had walked by. Of course, you know, the camel of course would, would relieve itself and the dung would fall on the ground. So Abu Sufyan, he went to investigate that dung on the ground, the camel dung. So he went to it and he opened it. He looked what type of food was this camel eating. And he found the pits of the dates of Medina. So he said, oh no. This means Budel, he was in Medina. His camels were eating the dates of Medina. And he's coming back from Medina. So now Abu Sufyan knows that the Prophet ﷺ knows everything that has happened. So eventually Abu Sufyan, he reached Medina. And when he reached Medina, he thought to himself, okay, who should I approach first to calm this matter down? Who should I go to? Should I go to Muhammad himself or should I go to Abu Bakr? Should I go to his companions? Who should I go to? So he thought to himself and he decided, I will go to my daughter, Umm Habiba. The daughter of Abu Sufyan, Umm Habiba, she was one of the wives of the Prophet Umm Habiba, bint Abi Sufyan, Umm al-Mu'mineen. And that was the daughter of Abu Sufyan. So Abu Sufyan said, I'll go to my daughter and I will take her advice on how to handle this situation. So he went to his daughter's house and she received him. Now she hadn't seen him for many years because she was a Muslim and she was an early Muslim, alhamdulillah. She had actually been one of the Muslims who made the hijrah to Habasha before the hijrah to Medina. She was one of the Muslims who made the hijrah to Habasha. So Abu Sufyan, he entered the house of his daughter, Umm Habiba. And Abu Sufyan looked around the house and he saw there, there's nothing in the house of any worldly importance. It's a very simple house. The houses of the Prophet ﷺ were like this. He had no attachment to the dunya, so you could see nothing of importance of this, these materialistic things in his homes. So when Abu Sufyan entered the house, he saw there's nothing of any worldly importance here. He saw an old mat on the ground, an old mat on the ground. And Abu Sufyan went and he was about to sit down on that mat, an old mat. He was about to sit down on that mat. But before he could sit down, Umm Habiba, the daughter of Abu Sufyan, she quickly took the mat and she folded it up. And Abu Sufyan was surprised at this. And he asked her, Do, did you fold up this mat because you think that I am too good for this mat? Because this mat is very old and you know I am the leader of the Quraysh. So maybe you folded this mat up because you think that I am too good to sit on this mat. Or is the mat too good for me to sit on? What, what are you thinking here? And then she said, هَذَا فِرَاشُ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ najas." She said to her own father, this is the mat of Rasulullah. This is the mat of the Messenger of Allah. He sits on this mat. And as for you, you are a mushrik and you are impure. So you cannot sit on the mat of Rasulullah. Sallallahu alayhi wasallam. This is what she said to her own father. And her father was just shocked at this. And he, he said to her, what has happened to you? After you left me, what has happened to you? 
So he was shocked at this. Anyways, he continued with the purpose of his visit and he asked for his daughter's advice. What should I do? I want to prevent war. I don't want the Quraysh to be destroyed. So what should I do? How can I calm this situation down? And Um Habiba, she said, look, I don't know anything about these matters of war. I don't know how to handle these type of situations. You're going to have to deal with this on your own. I can't help you. So in the meantime, the Prophet ﷺ, he was with his companions and they were discussing what are the possible steps that the Quraysh might take. What do you think the Quraysh is going to do about this situation? So the Prophet ﷺ realized that their only option is that they will send someone to try to negotiate with him. He knew that this is what they're going to do. The Quraysh is going to send Abu Sufyan to negotiate with me. He knew this. And just as he said this, Abu Sufyan entered. He entered upon the Prophet ﷺ. And the Prophet ﷺ, he saw Abu Sufyan and he asked him, Ma wara'aka ya Aba Sufyan? What is the situation, ya Abu Sufyan? Why are you here, ya Abu Sufyan? Why did you come? And Abu Sufyan said, Ya Muhammad, I just came because I want to discuss with you renewing and extending the Treaty of Hudaybiyah. This treaty has been working out very well for us. We're very happy with it. And we just want to renew it. And we want to actually extend the time period of the Treaty of Hudaybiyah. And the Prophet ﷺ, he knows exactly what this is about because he knows what happened. So he asked Abu Sufyan, why do you want to extend it? Why do you want to renew it? Did something happen, Ya Aba Sufyan? Did something happen? And Abu Sufyan tried to say, no, 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 nothing happened. But you know, I just thought it's a good idea. We should renew it and we should extend it. It's a good thing. So that's why I came. And the Prophet ﷺ said, we are following the terms of the original agreement. We never broke any term of that agreement. And we are not people of treachery. And we do not betray anyone. And he was implying that the Quraysh on the other hand, they are guilty of betrayal and they are guilty of treachery. But the Prophet ﷺ said, we, we Muslims, we don't betray. We are not treacherous people. So the Prophet ﷺ was not interested in what Abu Sufyan had to say. So Abu Sufyan now, he doesn't know what to do. So he decided to go to the closest friend of the Prophet ﷺ, Abu Bakr And he went to Abu Bakr and he said, Ya Abu Bakr, convince Muhammad to renew the treaty. And you, Ya Abu Bakr, announce a general protection for the people. If you remember, we spoke earlier about the system of jiwar that the people used to have in those times. And that's a system where if an enemy comes and you give him your protection, you say you are under my protection, then no one from the community can harm this person. So if an enemy from the Quraysh, for example, came to, came to Medina and a Muslim in Medina said that this man, he is under my protection, I give him my protection, then no one from Medina would harm that person. So this is the system that they had. So if an enemy comes to you and you give him your protection, then the rest of your companions has to also give him that protection. They are not allowed to harm that person. So Abu Sufyan thought, okay, I will ask Abu Bakr and Abu Bakr may give protection to the Quraysh so that the whole Quraysh will not be harmed. If Abu Bakr says the Quraysh and everyone who was involved in what happened, they are all under my protection, then the Muslims will not attack them. So he went to Abu Bakr and he requested this. And Abu Bakr said, no, I have no right to do this. How can I offer my protection for you? These decisions are for the leader. 
And that is the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So I will not get involved in this. These decisions are up to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So Abu Sufyan didn't go anywhere with Abu Bakr. The conversation with Abu Bakr didn't lead to anything for Abu Sufyan. So now Abu Sufyan, he decided to go to Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu. And he asked Umar radiallahu anhu the same thing. Can you, can you declare that the Quraysh and, and everyone who was involved in what happened, that they are under your protection, ya Umar? And then Umar said, you're asking me to give you guys protection? If it was up to me, if the Prophet ﷺ would let me, I would slaughter all of you. I would finish you off. Why are you even coming to me asking me for this? So then Abu Sufyan said, wow, what, what type of a person are you? And he left. And he went to Uthman an. And Uthman an also refused. How can we make this type of decisions when the Prophet ﷺ, our leader is here? These decisions are for him. So he went to Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman. No success with any of them. Now he went to Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu And Ali radiallahu was with Fatima, the daughter of the Prophet sallallahu and the wife of Ali radiallahu So Ali was with Fatima and they were with their young son, Al-Hasan. Al-Hasan was so small at that time, he was still crawling, right? So young boy, still crawling. So Abu Sufyan went to Ali radiallahu and he asked him the same thing. Can you declare that the people who were involved in what happened, that they are under your protection, Ya Ali. And Ali said, no, I cannot do this. this these decisions are for the Prophet So the same response. So now Abu Sufyan is so desperate that he asked Fatima. He said, you are the daughter of Muhammad. Can you offer the protection of the people? And Fatima said, no, I am a woman. I cannot do it. And then Abu Sufyan saw the baby, Al-Hasan, crawling. And he said to Fatima, okay, can you just declare it in the name of this boy? You're a woman, okay, you can do it, but can you say, I'm doing it in the name of Al-Hasan, your son? And then Fatima said, he's just a little baby. He has nothing to do with these type of things. So look how desperate Abu Sufyan is. Because he knows that the Quraysh will not be able to withstand the Muslims this time. So he's so desperate. So he tried with Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman, Ali, Fatima. And he didn't get anywhere with this. So now he's panicking and he asked Ali, Ya Ali, just give me some advice. What should I do? How can I handle this situation? Give me some advice. And Ali said, there's nothing I can tell you. There's nothing you can do about it. And then he said, no, please just give me something. Just tell me something. I don't know what to do. And he kept insisting and insisting and insisting. Finally, Ali radiallahu anhu, he said, look, you are a leader of the Arabs, right? You're the leader of the Quraysh. Why don't you announce yourself that the Quraysh are under your own protection? And then Abu Sufyan, he said, okay, do you think that will work? And Ali radiallahu anhu said, no, that will probably not work. It won't work. But you keep asking me to give you advice, so I'm just telling you something. But it probably won't work. So Abu Sufyan said, okay, let's just see. Maybe I have nothing to lose. Let me just try it. Let me give it a shot. So Abu Sufyan, he went into the masjid and he announced. He said, all of the people who were involved in what happened, they are under my protection. They are under my protection. And the Prophet sallallahu he said to Abu Sufyan, Ya Abu Sufyan, anta taqulu dhalik. He said, Oh Abu Sufyan, only you are saying this. This speech doesn't have any weight. So Abu Sufyan, everything that he tried, it all failed. So now he's afraid that a confrontation between the Muslims and the Quraysh is inevitable. So Abu Sufyan, he went back to Mecca and he informed the Quraysh that I tried this and I tried that. I tried so many different things and I failed in everything. 
So then they asked him, okay, what did you do in the end? What is the last thing that you did? And then Abu Sufyan said, I tried to declare the people under my own protection because the Muslims would refuse to give protection. All of them refused. So I said, they are all under my own protection. And then the Quraysh, they looked at him like, what are you doing? And he said, Ali is the one who advised me that maybe I can try this. And then they said, Ali made a fool out of you. So nothing that Abu Sufyan tried worked. So the Quraysh is very scared now. The Quraysh is very scared that Abu Sufyan's trip came back with no fruits. And now they are afraid of a big confrontation between themselves and the Muslims due to their breaking of the Treaty of Hudaybiyah. So now the Prophet ﷺ, he started making preparations for battle. And he ordered the Sahaba عنهم, to make preparations as well, including the Muslim tribes that were outside of Medina. There were many tribes now, alhamdulillah, who had accepted Islam outside of Medina. So the Prophet ﷺ included them in the army as well. Now, the Prophet ﷺ wanted to keep this very secret. He wanted to keep these preparations and his plans very secret. So he didn't even tell all of the Sahaba what they were making preparations for. He didn't tell everyone where they were going to go. He didn't tell everyone that they're planning to go to Mecca. He told some of the major Sahaba, like Abu Bakr and some others, they knew the plans of the Prophet and where he was going. But not all of the Sahaba knew where they were going. They just knew they're going somewhere and they're making preparations for a battle. And the Prophet to keep everything secret, to make sure none of this news leaks to the Quraysh, he ordered for all of the roads leading outside of Medina to be sealed off. People can enter Medina, but no one can leave Medina. The roads that lead outside of Medina, they were all sealed off and security was kept at all of those pathways. So nobody could leave Medina. So there's no chance of a leak for the news to go back to the Quraysh. So now this army of the Muslims that the Prophet ﷺ had prepared, it was the biggest army of Muslims ever assembled up to this point. The biggest army of the Muslims ever assembled to this point. There were 7,500 men, alhamdulillah. And during this time, Uyayna ibn Hisn, if you remember Uyayna ibn Hisn, also known as Al-Ahmaq Al-Muta'a, he was known as the fool who is obeyed by his people. He was the leader of the tribe of Ghatafan and he had made many problems for the Muslims in the past. But now Uyayna ibn Hisn, he came to the Prophet ﷺ as the Prophet ﷺ was preparing to go towards Mecca. Uyayna ibn Hisn came and he said, Ya Rasulullah, I am a Muslim. I accepted Islam and my tribe of Ghatafan, they have all accepted Islam as well. So the Prophet ﷺ was very happy with this news. Also, Al-Aqra' ibn Habis, he was a leader of the tribe of Banu Tamim, another big tribe. He came to the Prophet ﷺ and he said, Ya Rasulullah, I accept Islam and my tribe of Tamim, they have also accepted Islam. So the Prophet ﷺ was very happy with these big tribes accepting Islam. Now as we mentioned, the Prophet ﷺ, he wanted to keep this expedition as a secret. He didn't want the Quraysh to find out that he was planning to go to Mecca. Now one of the companions, Hatib ibn Abi Balta'ah he was a great companion of the Prophet and he was one of the companions who participated in the battle of Badr. And those companions who participated in Badr, they have a very high position even amongst the Sahaba. So Hatib ibn Abi Balta'ah, he was one of them. He was one of the Ashabu Badr, one of the companions who took, took part in the battle of Badr. But in, in this situation, he made a very big mistake. He made a very big mistake. Hatib, عنه, he had some family members in Mecca. 
He had some family members in Mecca. But Hatib wasn't originally from Mecca himself. So he was afraid if some fighting takes place, if the Muslims and the Quraysh, they fight, I have some family members who are in Mecca and they may be killed because I don't have people who will protect them. I'm not originally from Mecca myself, so I don't have people who will protect my family members there. So he felt afraid for his family members if some fighting took place between the Muslims and the Quraysh. So what he decided to do is he tried to send a secret letter to the Quraysh. He wrote a letter informing the Quraysh of the plans of the Prophet This It's a very big mistake. But he did this because he thought that if he does this, the Quraysh will appreciate this. And because of this appreciation, they will protect his family. So just to protect his family, he wrote this letter to warn the Quraysh that the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, he's coming, he's coming to Mecca. So he gave this letter to a woman and he told the woman to hide that letter and she hid it in her hair. She rolled it up inside her hair. That's where she hid the letter. And then he told her to leave Medina. As we mentioned, all of the pathways outside of Medina, they were blocked. But he told her to go from an uncharted pathway, uh, a pathway that is not known, that people don't use. So go from that way and you can escape and you can get out of Medina and go towards Mecca from that side. So she did that. She hid the letter in her hair and she went on this uncharted path. She was able to bypass the security and she went on her way to Mecca. In the meantime, while she was on her way, the Prophet ﷺ received revelation about what happened. The Prophet ﷺ received revelation that Hatib ibn Abi Balta'a, he wrote a letter, he gave it to this woman to deliver it to the Quraysh. She is in such and such a location right now. So the Prophet ﷺ, he received wahi that this is what has happened. So he sent Ali ibn Abi Talib and Az-Zubair ibn Awam, anhuma, two great companions. He said, go to such and such location, you will find this woman there. She has a letter. Get that letter from her and bring it back to me. So Ali an and Az-Zubair an, they went very quickly to the location that the Prophet described and they found the woman on her camel going on her way. And they said to her, give us the letter. Give us the letter. And she said, what letter? I don't have any letter. They said, yes, you do. You have a letter? Give us the letter right now. She said, no, I don't have any letter. They said, okay, we're going to check everything. So they checked the camel. They checked all the supplies she had on the camel. They didn't find the letter. And they said to her, look, we know that you have this letter. The Prophet ﷺ told us that you have a letter and the Prophet ﷺ does not tell lies. You have this letter, give it to us right now or we will check you. We will check you yourself and we will find it on your body wherever it is. So then she got scared when she saw how serious they were. So she took the letter out of her hair and she gave it to them. So they came back to the Prophet ﷺ and they said, Ya Rasulullah, here's the letter. So when the Prophet ﷺ got the letter, he called Hatib ibn Abi Balta'a. And Hatib ibn Abi Balta'a came. And the Prophet ﷺ said, Ya Hatib, what is this? And then Hatib said, Ya Rasulullah, Wallahi, I never had any doubt in Islam. I never had any doubt that you are the messenger of Allah. I am a Muslim, I am not a munafiq. But the only reason why I did this was because I thought that if I do this, the Quraysh will appreciate it and they will protect my family. So this was a big mistake. Protecting your family, but by doing that, you may be causing the deaths of so many Muslims. By doing that, this is wrong. What he did was wrong. Even if his reason was to protect his family, it was still wrong. 
So Umar radiallahu anhu, upon hearing this, he said, Ya Rasulullah, give me permission to chop the head off of this guy. Ya Rasulullah, let me cut his neck off. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said to Umar, Ya Umar, leave it, leave it. He said, Ya Umar, leave it. Perhaps Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said to the people of Badr, do whatever you want. You have been forgiven. Do whatever you want, I have forgiven you. This is the status of the people of Badr. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala looked at them and he said to them, do whatever you want, I have forgiven you. So even though this was such a serious crime, Hatib ibn Abi Balta'a, he was saved because he was from the great people of Badr. So he, he made a mistake, but he is still a companion, and we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to be pleased with him. So they continued to move forward. And as they moved a little bit forward, 1,000 horsemen, a huge army of 1,000 horsemen, 1,000 men all on horses. This is big. From Bani Sulaim, they came to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. This huge army of 1,000 horsemen, they came to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and they all accepted Islam. They said, Ya Rasulullah, we are with you. Bani Sulaim. Bani Sulaim was one of the tribes who a few years earlier, they participated in the confederation in the battle of Khandaq against the Muslims. But now, Bani Sulaim, Alhamdulillah, they had accepted Islam. And 1,000 horsemen from Bani Sulaim, they came to the Prophet and they said, Ya Rasulullah, we are with you. We want to participate with you in this expedition. So the Prophet was very happy with this as well. So the Prophet organized the army. Now this is a big army. It was 7,500 men. Now they have 1,000 more horsemen from Bani Sulaim. So the army is just getting bigger and bigger. Alhamdulillah. But as we mentioned, most of the Sahaba, they didn't know where they were going. Some of the Sahaba they knew, but most of them they didn't know where they were going. They knew they're going somewhere, that there's going to be some type of expedition, but they didn't know exactly where they were going. So on the way, the Prophet ﷺ organized the Muslims and they went forward. And the Prophet ﷺ, instead of going in the direction of Mecca, he positioned the army to go in the direction of At-Ta'if. Instead of going in the direction of Mecca, they were going in the direction of At-Ta'if. So some of the Sahaba, they said, okay, it looks like he's going to At-Ta'if. It looks like he's going to At-Ta'if. And as they went forward, Khalid ibn al-Walid was able to capture a prisoner. Khalid ibn al-Walid captured a prisoner and he asked this prisoner, where did you come from? Where are you coming from? And the prisoner said, I'm coming from Hawazin. Hawazin is the tribe in Ta'if. So then Khalid asked him, he investigated the situation. He said, okay, what are the people of Ta'if? What are they planning? And this prisoner, he said to Khalid ibn al-Walid, they are making plans and preparations to fight the Muslims. They're making plans and preparations to actually come and attack Medina. So this is some new news now, that the people of Ta'if, they are planning to attack the Muslims as well. So now the Prophet ﷺ, he had set out on this expedition to conquer Mecca. But now, Ta'if is also a threat. So who will the Prophet ﷺ start with? Will he go to Ta'if first? Or will he go to Mecca first? And inshallah, we'll discuss that next week. Jazakumullah khair. Wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.